Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. So I want you to give yourself a gift this Christmas. Give yourself a gift, and you don't even have to spend any money to do it. And it's a very important gift, and this gift that you give yourself can change your life for the better, if you'll do it. Now, it's not an easy gift. It's not an easy gift. But it's a super important gift. And here's the gift. Give yourself the gift of forgiveness. Now, we read in the New Testament, in fact, we read in the Bible, a lot about forgiving other people. And that is very important. That is very important. It's super important because God tells us, or Jesus said, hey, in the manner you forgive others, that is how you're going to get forgiven yourself. Now, here's the thing. That's, that's kind of an external thing. Forgiving yourself, in some ways, can be even harder have you ever done something that you just don't think you could forgive yourself for? Now here's the thing. If you told Jesus about it, then he already forgave you. And if the living God can forgive you, you need to forgive yourself. Now, I say that it's hard. It's hard. Because a lot of times what we say is mistakes uh, are things we need to learn from. But here's, here's the complication. And the complication is we tend to own it too hard. In other words, we make a mistake and... When we make a mistake, we feel like the mistake defines us. Instead of saying, oh, I made a mistake, you say, oh, I am a mistake. Or when we fail, we say, oh, yeah, I'm a failure because I failed. And that's not true. That's not true. Now, here's the thing. I'm not blowing sunshine. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, really, this is, there's a biblical precedent on this. Because, again, if God can forgive you, you have to forgive yourself. <laughs> Otherwise, basically, you're saying, oh, well, hey, God, your forgiveness isn't good enough. And I'm also just going to tell you that, uh, this idea wasn't something I pulled out of the sky. 
there's a, a book, a very, <laughs> a very good book, with uh, some, and it's recommended reading in a lot of uh, success circles and business circles. But what I've found is this book has a lot of really good biblical-based information in it. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, who is a, a doctor. He's an MD, and he was a plastic surgeon. And if you get into page 164, he talks about, one title says, you make mistakes. Mistakes do not make you very, very good book. Talks about, in that particular chapter, uh, I believe that's chapter 10, about self-image. But he uses the Bible with specific incidences. And one thing that he pointed out, I found very interesting, very interesting. Um, that was just one aspect, and that is that mistakes don't define you. Failure don't doesn't define you. That's not who you are. We do fail, but we can learn and turn it around. And the thing, another lesson that I learned from this book is. is really have to do with condemnation. See, we want to condemn ourselves. Okay, so we fail and we want to treat it like a crime. And we want to condemn ourselves and be judge, jury, and executioner on ourselves. Now, in many ways, God says in the Word that you need to judge yourself... But when he says judge yourself, that's a corrective process. It's supposed to be a positive thing to keep you out of his disciplinary action. You know, that's what that's designed to do. Because if you judge yourself and, and then you can correct your behavior, then God doesn't have to take action on you in a negative way, which is something he doesn't like to do, but he will do. You know, first of all, if you belong to him as discipline, and if you don't belong to him as judgment. But condemning yourself, condemnation, self-condemnation. Now, here's something interesting. John 3.16, we know, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But we don't always go to the verse ahead of it, or excuse me, after it. Yeah, the verse after it. John 3, 17, where Jesus says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, this is now. Later, second coming, different story. At that point, yeah, 
He's coming as a judge. And if you don't have a relationship with him, that's bad news. But now, his whole purpose is not to, oh yeah, you screwed up, you screwed up, you screwed up. He's not like J.B. Phillips says, the divine policeman. J.B. Phillips in his, in his book, Your God is Too Small, categorizes some ideas people have, uh, categories we put God in. And one of them is the divine policeman, where he's just looking for you to screw up so you can just slam dunk you. It's not like that. Just so he can come and get you. Now, getting back to... Uh, Getting back to the story that Dr. Maltz talks about. The thing I really, really, uh, I really like. Is John 8.11. John 8:11 This is the story where some Pharisees and these were the hyper pious Pharisees, okay? The not all of them, there was a group of them that were being jerks. And they were in cahoots with the temple authorities, because it says the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in adultery and made her stand before everybody. It says before them all. And they said, Teacher, in this John chapter 8, they said to Jesus, This woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. In our law, Moses commanded that such a woman should be stoned to death. Now, what do you say? And then Jesus, at that point, they were trying to trap him. This was a situation where they were trying to trap him. Not every encounter are they trying to trap Jesus, but this group was, this specific group of Pharisees with the teachers of the law. But they were trying to trap Jesus so they could accuse him. But he bent over and wrote on the ground with his finger. And they stood there asking him questions. And he straightened up and said to them, Whoever, Whichever one of you has committed no sin may throw the first stone at her. Then he bent over again and wrote on the ground. There's been a lot of speculation about what it is. What it is that he was writing on the ground. But... But to continue, it says, When they heard this, they all left, one by one, the older ones first. And Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there. And he straightened up and he said to her, Where are they? Is there no one left to condemn you? And she said, No one, sir. She answered. Well then, Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, but but do not sin again. Now, some of the older 
manuscripts don't have this particular story. So I'm not really, you know, I'm not going to get into, hey, was this, uh, is this something we need to build a major doctrine on or what have you? Because uh, I'm not going to argue the authenticity. What I'm going to do is say this. This whole situation is very Jesus-like. It's completely Jesus-like. Because here, what was pointed out by Dr. Maltz is, is the forgiveness. Because he had heard that someone, someone said that Jesus forgave this woman. And he said, no, he didn't. He didn't forgive her. And they were like, well, what do you mean? He said, it never even implies in the text that he forgave her. And they go, well, no, no, it has to be there. But you know something? He's right. It never says in the text that he forgave her. Why? Because he didn't condemn her. He did not condemn her. He didn't give her a pass on the sin either. And to be sure, there were times Jesus said... Your sins are forgiven. There's one person he healed in the Gospels that he says your sins are forgiven and made a point of that. But in this situation, what does he say? He says, you know, where are they? Is there no one to condemn you? And he says, neither do I condemn you Go now and sin no more. So, here was his thing. He understands, but he didn't give her a pass on the bad behavior. So, that's the encouragement. Give a gift to yourself. That gift is don't condemn yourself. Condemn the behavior. There are things that people do that are wrong and bad that they need to stop. But the situation is, is we can't keep beating ourselves up over something we've asked God to forgive. You've got to, at some point, forgive yourself and not condemn yourself. Now, again, that doesn't mean you get a, a pass. Oh, gee, you know, I stole a bunch of jazz. I'm so sorry. Golly whiz. You know, you don't get a pass. <laughs> Because what was Jesus' direction? And he said, go and sin no more. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> Stop it. That's his directive. And so what is going to condemn us? What is going to condemn us? The word of God will condemn. If we don't obey it. Our behavior, when we're out of this world and the screenshot, the movie reel, or 
MP3 or 4 or however you want to say it, the video of our lives when it plays in heaven. That can condemn you. Unless you have a relationship with Jesus and then what do they see? They see the blood of Jesus. That's why we're not allowed to condemn ourselves anymore. We condemn the behavior. Because remember, sanctification, salvation is, is, is an event. Sanctification, in other words, being, becoming more holy, becoming more like Jesus, is a process. And the key on that process is go and sin no more. In other words, have a focus on not doing the bad behavior. Now, here, I need to interject because people are saying, well, you're just talking about earning your salvation. No, I'm not talking about earning your salvation. Salvation's an event. It's faith in Jesus. The end of story. But the issue is, is if you're going to become more like Jesus, you have to stop sinning. And you have to work with God on that so he can make you more and more holy. And one sin is condemning yourself when God has already forgiven you. Because that means you're not trusting him. Say, well, hey, you know, God, your forgiveness is really great, but I really don't trust you completely on that. Well, listen, if you're trusting him for salvation, for you to be with him forever, that's pretty key. And that means that you have to let go of your sin, of the stuff you do wrong that's, that God says don't do. And that when Jesus forgives it, and you ask God's forgiveness, and you go First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you do that, it's over. But the issue is you still gotta still gotta quit it. Still gotta stop. So for Christmas, here's the gift. Give yourself the special gift of forgiveness. Look at yourself in the mirror. Confess anything you've got and stare at yourself and say, Jesus has forgiven you for these sins. I have to forgive you too and I forgive you. It's very important. Then you can smile and say, Merry Christmas. Because that is a massively huge gift. And it will change everything if you will keep doing that. Because it makes it easier for God to make you more like Jesus. It's not easy. It's not a one-time shot. I'm saying it makes the process so much more easy. It takes you out of the equation. So, With that in mind... I want to Thank encourage you, you for listening to keep this on, edition keep it on. of Speak It On. 
If you would like to support this ministry, then please go to Patreon under L.A. Blackburn. May God bless every effort you make to do His will in His Word.